Welcome to the Jesus McDonald Experience. Get ready to enjoy the show. Hey guys, it's Jesus McDonald here. Thanks for listening to the show. And if you haven't subscribed yet on Apple Podcasts or on our YouTube channel, Jesus McDonald, go ahead and subscribe. We're going to be pushing out weekly valuable content around business, around marketing, and around entrepreneurship. And today, I have a special guest, Russell Yule. Russ, thanks for joining the show today. Great to be here. I'm with the San Antonio Spurs again. <laughs> I love the Spurs. You know, I'm a I'm, Coach Popovich I know. guy. <laughs> I'm there. I got it. <laughs> nice, nice. Now, for those tuning in uh, and don't know who Russ Yule is, allow me to introduce you to Russ Russ Yule is an entrepreneur with a focus on using technology to overcome human limits. Being a father of children with special needs, he has used the years of creative struggle and innovation inspired by necessity to share not only the discoveries that have enriched his family's life, but also ideas and possible inventions for the future. As CEO of Digital Scribbler, he has developed augmentative and alternative communication technologies for iOS and Android devices. And with two featured products, QuickTalk AAC and QuickType AAC, Digital Scribbler's dream is to help the silence find their voice. And he is also the founder of Hope Technology Group, which is a nonprofit that focuses on education and technology. As founder of eSoccer, as an all-volunteer all inclusive soccer program started in 2000. Is that right, Russ? You're right. Yes. The program is dedicated to empowering both typical and special needs children of all abilities to reach their full athletic and social potential. Russ was fortunate enough to receive the Jefferson Award and a congressional citation in recognition of his service to the community. And then Russ recently launched his own newsletter and podcast, Lead Different, sharing about his leadership journey in the hope that the ideas, the insights, and the practical application can help anyone become a transformative leader. Russ, thank you again for joining the show. I'm really excited. I'm fired up about it. Um, let's dive right in. Uh, I have some, some handpicked questions for you. So just going over your intro bio, you are the founder of many companies, <laughs> founder of <laughs> Digital Scribbler, Esports, and Hope Technology Group, and Lead Different is, is pretty brand new, I'm assuming. What motivated yes. you to start these companies? Uh, you know, probably it goes back to 1993. When I moved here, which puts me as, you know, much older than you. And uh, I, I need to remember to subscribe to your podcast because I haven't done that yet. And I think it's important. I, I, you have a lot of cool stuff you do. And you've really been effective in some ways that uh, I've actually talked to other people about in the way you built your company and uh, just your character, your integrity and the way you built your family. So I'm inspired to be here and to be around you. And you. Uh, we don't get to spend that much time together. So I'm excited. Um, Coming here in 1993, one of the things coming from Washington, D.C., and prior to that, Boston, uh, one of the things that struck me about Silicon Valley, it's a meritocracy, and I mean that in the best sense of the word. 
that it's the most diverse place I've ever been in the United States that also gives opportunity. It's one thing to have a lot of people that are from different backgrounds, ethnicities, colors, states, right. cultures, but it's another to give those people opportunity. And if you have an idea and you have an insight, you can do it. Washington, D.C. was a place that worked on relationships. It did matter who you knew. Uh, and you still could do well, but it's not like you could drop in and go, I've got a great idea about how to fix healthcare. And all of a sudden someone says, well, let's get you on board to do something. Here, that happens. And so when I saw that, I realized there's a lot of innovation that should be done in all the arenas of my life. And right. so I, I sort of adopted that. And when I started adopting it, I thought, well, you can do anything. It's the old HP garage thing. You can go in your garage and invent anything and you don't need someone to say it's okay. You just need to have the idea and the wherewithal uh, to do it and be willing to fail if you fail and succeed if you succeed. And so as I got into it, I really got inspired by the idea of the culture. And then that led to, with my kids, me asking questions, if the you know uh, a school system can't do it, if the therapist can't do it, then why can't I do it? Hmm. And, and, and why can't I get my friends who are engineers to help me uh, uh, do things? And so it became a way to say, when there's a problem, why not go solve the problem as opposed to complain about the problem? Hence the various, you know, uh, endeavors that I got involved in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what's the difference between each one of them? Digital Scribbler, eSports, and yeah. Hope Technology Group. So some of this is evolving because I've been at this for a little while, which you're making me think about it all and I'm getting exhausted. Um, just thinking about what I do. I had a conversation with the president of the university that contacted me because of the digital scribbler. And she looked at all I did and said, man, you, you, you probably need to take a nap or something. But I, I don't think about it that way. So the difference is that um, e-soccer e is inclu about inclusion. It's about making sure that every kid who has special needs can have friends that are typical. And sports is something I love growing up and play growing up. And I believe it is such a family thing. And you grew up in Texas, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, you have much more football-rich talent and stuff like that in Texas. Right. But Michigan and Texas are very similar in that it's part of the community. Right. And I grew up playing, going, parents were on the sidelines, and I wanted my kids to experience that. And what I saw out there didn't do that. And so we just started out small and got the typical kids with the special needs kids. And my sons were loving it. Typical kids were loving it. And one of my goals was to help kids who were typical be able to succeed in their sports and at the same time, let them be friends. And so it was an inclusion-centered thing. Digital Scribbler was a company about helping people overcome human limits. And I think we have lots of human limits, but I think technology, I read an article way back about how the guy was predicting that technology was going to even things out for people with disabilities. It would give them the chance to solve and resolve some of the limits they had. And I just grabbed that and created that tagline. But it's about creating software uh, and, and both of, uh, yeah, it's about creating software uh, that allows kids to, uh, and parents to pay less money for great tools. Because there's a lot of expensive tools out there for kids with special needs. And we wanted to go down there and make it possible for someone who doesn't have a lot of money to be able to get software and hardware for a combined price that's at least reasonably affordable instead of outlandish. So think Digital Scribbler said, instead of you having to pay $300 for an app on iOS, you can pay 
$14 or $24 for it. So that's wow. the purpose of Digital Scribbler. And yeah. then Hope Technology Group originally was going to be like a think tank. And again, that goes back to my DC roots, where we would think of solutions and develop solutions to problems. And so it also took on the character of being a volunteer organization. Going back to the 90s, we helped wire schools that were not wired for the internet. And then uh, we also got into, can we help start entrepreneurial endeavors within the education community. And we've done that uh, with, you know, different organizations supporting different organizations. So it's more like a think tank that solves problems. Originally, we were going to write about it and, and publish about it. And I have done some writing on there and we're still uh, going down that road. But uh, right now it's still more of a software company that produces stuff. And then uh, Lead Different was me looking and saying, there are three things that I think are important about leadership. One is somewhat redundant, I'm going to say, is leadership. What is it? Most, well, I shouldn't say most people. I'm not sure a lot of people understand that leadership is a discipline. Even though you don't major it in most colleges, it's a discipline. It's something you have to be a student of to even understand. I wasn't when I was younger the way I needed to be. And that leadership involves how do you do it? What's your character got to be like? How do you delegate? Things like that. But then there's two other components that are almost never discussed with leadership, and that's emotions and spirituality. And so this is an effort I'm making to say, hey, I've had some hard lessons and some hard failures that now that I look back and understand where I was, I didn't have those three things straight. I thought of leadership more about being in charge than being in service. I, I, I was emotionally not very intelligent <laughs> and uh and, and I didn't see how spirituality fit in at all. And so it's an effort to do that. So those are those those companies and those entities. I think I hit them all. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading the lead different uh, because, you know, for me, basketball helped build my character. Yeah. And but it only got me so far. Like to me, leadership was showing up. Right. And showing up, you know. That's the that's the role model. That's the guy you got to follow. He showed up. You didn't yeah. show up to practice. This who's dead, right? Yeah. Um, but the emotional, the spiritual awareness, the depth. Yeah. None of that. Yeah. Hey, me they too. Me too. In fact, yeah. I I one of the things I look back on my my you know my little high school career, which I enjoyed being in high school and playing basketball. But I always thought, oh man, if I'd had been better at this or better at that, I would have done even better in basketball. And what I concluded was my mental game was my problem. I would get so anxious. And for a long time, I didn't have a good emotional awareness. I had no spiritual awareness. When I talk about spiritual awareness, I mean a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, a sense of why you do something besides I want to be the best, you know, mm -hmm. something meaningful. And then the, the spiritual side is just a centeredness, an ability to say, I know who I am. I understand who I am. And I, I don't have to show off to prove anything. That, that, right. That's a lot. And I didn't have that down at all. I, I still am working on all that. But, yeah, I, I hope I hope Lead Different does well. But, you know, most of these things I like to try to have fun and 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 enjoy it and, and learn. So. Right, right. No, it's good. It makes me reflect and think about how things were in high school. <laughs> I was like full of insecurities, trying to grab everything that gave me a sense of security oh, you you just you just wrote my other bio you're 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 going to have to come on lead different because we could we could take a time to just talk about how much you can see about yourself if you're willing to look at high school not yeah. in a nostalgic way but in learning and going oh okay that explains a lot yeah yeah that's no cool. i was talking to the point guard at the time from from my high school and he's a teacher uh now 
Uh-huh. And he was just telling me about, you know, some of, he, he's teaching in high school and he was wow. telling me just things that kids get into. Well, I call them kids. Yeah. But uh, anything under 18 is a kid to me. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So for me, I was just telling him, um, just hear him out. Just listen to him. I was like, he's super insecure. He's just reacting a lot. Yeah. Just hear him out. And I told my friend, I said, you remember how I was in basketball and coach did this, this, and this? It's like, yeah. I was like, he didn't ask questions. He didn't draw us out. Like, that's what we needed. But we didn't yeah. know that's what we needed. That's right. All we knew how to do was stuff. <laughs> don't show any weakness. And we're good. That's it. That's it. You're good as soon as uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You, you're, you revealed nothing. There's no vulnerability. There's toughness. There's that's no that. growth. There's no growth. Yeah, and, I, I, and you yeah, stay I was stagnant. And you... <laughs> I was a midget in my 20s. Yeah, I agree. But hopefully that's what, you know, even what you're doing here. uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs and people who start businesses and run them, Mm -hmm. there's just no education about leadership, about what is maturity, about what is – you can read a book about emotional intelligence, but there's not enough mentoring on that. And I even think like podcasts like this, the reason they're popular is because they help. It helps to listen to people talk and work stuff out and figure stuff out in ways that, you know, even 20 years ago, you right. couldn't do. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I love what you're talking about. And I even have friends that, you know, go see Tony Robbins, right? Motivational right. speaker. Go see Gary Vee. Go see yeah. Jocko, right? right? They come back and I barely see any progress. Oh, that was a waste of time and money. Well, motiva- and it, yeah, motivation is important, but it's not enough. No, and you might have a different take on it, but I'm thinking if you don't apply those things, then there is no change. That's it. You have to apply it. You do. You can't just feel good and be like, great, back yeah. to work. Yeah. A miserable yeah. job. I'm back to yeah. my miserable job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a thing, James Clear, I'm probably going to write something on this on Lead Different. James Clear writes a lot about sort of um, uh, organizational, managing your life, uh, mm-hmm. discipline, focus. And one of the things he talks about is the difference between motion and action. And he says, most people end up in motion. They yeah. reflect, they think about it, they attend a conference, but they never take action on the things. And so they get stagnant. So I think you're 100% right about that. Yeah, I wonder why. Not that we have to talk about it right now. Because well, I, can, I, I can tell you why in my life is that our emotions, they become satisfied. And mm-hmm. so for a moment, we feel great. You know, you get done hearing a great speaker and you're like, oh, man, I feel changed. But then you have to go execute on it and fear gets in there. And fear is the primary difference between motion mm-hmm. and action is that we're like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to do this thing I learned but what if I do it and I fail or, you know, I don't feel like doing it today, but anyway, yeah, we could, we could yeah, talk yeah, about that. I love that. Time. Yeah. That's it's it. like that's the fear it. overwhelms you. So you do nothing. That's it. That's <laughs> it. And then, then what you do is you go back to motion. You go back to reflecting. Hey, uh, the reason I didn't take motion is probably because I don't understand what I was going through in high school. Let me go read a book on adolescence and how I was. Now I'm ready. Oh no. Now yeah. I can't take it action because I feel like I got to reflect a little bit more on the emotional side of, how I need to mature. And, and, you know, and so I, I've done all that myself where I keep going back and reflecting and thinking about it, read right. another book, watch another movie and actually never act. I'm trying to change that. <laughs> yeah. I tell my friend, you could have just paid me. I would have told you the same thing. 
<laughs> I was like, I probably would have made you feel even better than than what he but, did. But, but you don't, but you don't put on the show. You, you don't put on the show, man. That's exactly right. And you don't charge enough. You got to charge enough. You know. I said if, I'll start sending you text messages, and I'll just put my name at the end of each text message, so it's a quote from me. But you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you need some motivation i'll give you some motivation sounds to me like you got a business plan for your next venture <laughs> yeah subscribe for my quotes <laughs> exactly hey now now going back i i do want to talk this is great stuff um all the companies that you started and you might have shared a little bit about this and i might have missed it so uh-huh. sorry in advance is why is there a strong focus on inclusion on special needs yeah, because uh, I was on LinkedIn and I was, you know, reading a little bit about, you know, Digital Scribbler. Yeah. Um, and you've mentioned that the mission statement is very close to home. Yeah. And I just wanted to understand a little bit more about that. So, you know, in 1991, uh, my first son was born with Down syndrome. And then uh, approximately three years later, my second son was born. He had autism. And so these are things that they're not even 50% of the services we have today for kids who existed. But whether you look back in the 90s, you go back as far as the 60s, or you move forward to 2020, the one consistent stream through all of that is that America, which tends to be the best in this area, has not moved very far along in understanding how to include people with disabilities, not just putting a ramp on a restaurant but actually when the person enters the restaurant, there being a feeling of acceptance and inclusion societally. That's not saying anything bad about people. Because I agree. most people, just, just like on race, most people haven't had enough experience or education to even understand what people are feeling or thinking, same with disabilities. So what I believed was that, uh, and this goes back to e-soccer, we were part of a special needs softball or baseball program. Mm-hmm. And it was within the regular Little League. And my son, my oldest son and I would drive there all the time and go to practice and go to the games. But we were separated from all of his typical friends. So his typical friends were playing in the regular league. And he was with all kids he didn't know and everybody had a disability. Nothing bad about that. But in my head, I fast forwarded and I said, well, he's not going to have the experiences I had in life because he's always going to be on this track where he's never around anyone is typical. And up to that moment, all of his relationships primarily were kids who didn't have special needs. And so that opened my eyes. And I said, I want him to be part of society. I want him to be included in everything. And so that began to be something I thought was important. I'm not down on anybody, a parent who says, you know, I prefer to do it this way. I, I don't, I think you do it however you want to do it, but that was just me. And so in everything I did, I began to understand how important it is. And going back to what we talked about, about growing up, I I was an African-American in pretty much an all white community. It was it was essential for my development that I'd be able to feel like I was included. And I was. And I'm not saying it was all easy, but I was able to take my own initiative and and walk in there and build the relationships. It's harder for someone with a disability. So that's the reason and that starting in 1991 that I said, hey, I got I to I got, I be a, an advocate for this because I think it can help a lot of people. And it has. The different people around the world who've used our software, who've been involved in the inclusive sports that we have, um, they, I get lots of email and, and notes and Facebook posts saying, I'm so glad you told us how to do this. And really, it's the parents that are doing it. But I appreciate if I can give them an idea or a tiny bit of inspiration. Yeah. No, that 
that's big. Um, yeah, that is a big mission statement too. And it makes me think about, you know, when I moved from Texas to California in Texas, you're completely right. They separated the kids with special needs and then the, with the, and then the Norbrook kids would be on the other end. Yeah. And I remember talking to one of my friends that has a kid with autism and he was telling me how difficult it is um, to just include them, whether it's sports, doing this, just reading, writing, just being there. It's a lot on the parent. Yeah. And one of the things that shocked me was I was not educated in this right. in Texas. I got educated when I moved to California yeah. in my 20s, right? So for me, the only time I spent time with people with special needs was when I went to detention. Oh, wow. Yes. That's because, and I don't know if it was for lack of space or yeah. what, but I was in the same room. I mean, I had my own little cubby. Yeah. They just fed us peanut butter and jelly for lunch. I didn't get the, <laughs> I didn't get the chicken, you know, steak fingers. I didn't get yeah. whatever chicken Parmesan. Yeah. yeah. And it's cause I was caught cheating yeah. on, on a test. That's the reason I went to detention. Uh -huh. But when I was there, um, even then, no one educated me. Yeah. And I didn't know how to socially communicate right. with someone that had special needs. Yep. And to me, um, it scared me. Right. Because I'm like, I don't know what this guy's capable of. Exactly. I don't know why he has a bad day. Like, yeah. This yeah. guy's going to throw the broom at me. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm telling the teacher, hey, are you watching him? Are you watching yeah. him? <laughs> I'm yeah, telling her yeah. how to do her job yeah. <laughs> because I'm terrified. Yeah. Right. Um, but it's really interesting when you say that, because it reminds me of the conversation I had with my friend of like, why aren't they educating people about this stuff? Yeah. Um, instead of just isolating, ex excluding them. Well, and, and I think, you know, the education system is very challenged, right? They've got to educate so many different learning styles, so many different types of kids. You've got one kid in, you know, Texas is a huge state. So you got one kid who wants to go to, you know, Harvard or something. And then you've got another kid who's like, hey, mm -hmm. I want to go to Alabama and play football. Then you got another kid's like, I, I don't, I'm so poor. I don't even know if I can graduate. And then you have a, a kid with a disability. So in some ways the system is set up that you're counting on, you know, one teacher to solve all those problems. And I, I think it's difficult. And that's, you know, right. in my mind, it's a reworking of society and a reworking of schools that it's happening places. You know, mm -hmm. I have some people that I interact with on Twitter and have had some contact with, like in Atlanta, where they, there are people really advocating and getting in there and they're getting promoted to jobs. I've noticed like they'll start as a teacher, but they'll end up being promoted to jobs where they're in charge of the whole county's effort to include. So I, th I think it's been a process that's been challenging, but what you described, right. it's, it's what happens. People, you know, they don't even, I, I was that way. I was yeah. like, I, I don't know what to do with them. And then I have two kids with special needs and you suddenly get educated. And then you go, I don't think most people want to be afraid or want to be negative about people with disabilities. They don't know. And so a lot of times I face ignorance and sometimes people say things that are not good to say, but they're not being bad or negative. They're simply saying with those misguided comments, I right. don't know even what to say. And so I right. feel like it's my job to say, oh, here's 
here's what you say. Here's what right. you do. Here's how to think about that and not to hate on them because it's easy as a special need parent or from the community to get angry at people who are ignorant of, say, using the word retard, right? Yes. It's easy to get angry. But you have to really control yourself and say, that person 99% of the time is not malicious. They're unaware. And all it takes is a little education of, oh, here's the more appropriate words and here's why and imagine this. And people are, I generally find people are good when they get educated. So you make a great point. Yeah. No, seriously. I mean, I'm going on tangents everywhere about it because I, I think I, I'm thinking about even racial injustice. You know, that's uneducated right there. It's a the lot of it. I, yeah, it's 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 very complicated. All that because it's a it's a complex thing of with all of it. You've got emotion. Mm-hmm. You've got society. You've got the the, the thriving in your personal life, uh, and then you've got the the injustice that makes all those things really difficult or impossible. And I think navigating it is, a, for me, in, in regard to being a parent of special needs kids and an advocate, it's taking it one day at a time and saying, if we can just, you know, you love football, basketball, you love them like I do, but it, it's, it's the right. same way Alabama or the same way that Texas A&M, uh, not so much this last week, but generally, or the same way University of Texas, I grew up watching them, you know, they were the mother load of, of the football team, beat Michigan. And I didn't like it uh, uh, when they had uh, Vince. Uh, what's his name? I forgot his name now. Uh, Maybe it's a good thing that you forget his name. <laughs> yeah, I need to. For, I need to forget the whole thing. But those guys start running the ball. Yeah, they understand. You might only get one yard. You might only get two yards. But eventually, the fatigue will set in, and you'll start getting ten and twelve yards. That to me is how you change the world. You just mm. keep running the ball, and then eventually the resistance breaks down. And where you were only getting three yards or two yards, you're now getting twelve and twenty yards. And a lot of people aren't willing to be that patient, but yes. I've, I've learned that you have to be. Now, with all the companies that you've started, um, being in Silicon Valley as a general whole is, you know, it's all about technology. To, I feel like it's a doggy dog world. Mm-hmm. Greed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all about status, your image. It's it's very workaholic environment and people are just glued to their phones. Sometimes mm-hmm. they won't even open the door for you in Texas. They do that, <laughs> but they don't do that here. <laughs> they look at you. weird, like, dude, I expect that. Hurry up, move. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm yeah. like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how did you stay focused on helping the community and, you know, kids with special needs and not do anything that's maybe, focused on money, focused on some other things. That is more the Silicon Valley culture. Yeah. So that's interesting, right? Because I have probably a little different take on Silicon Valley culture than you do. And and that's not because you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong, but I just have a little different take, but I can explain. So part of that's that whole combination of leadership, emotion, and spirituality. I think spirituality is the capacity to look at life and, and find meaning and purpose that is not attached to status and money. I I think if someone wants status, I always have. I don't think that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they want money and want to take care of their family and their extended family and all that, I don't think that's wrong. But I think that won't last. And I think that's been proven throughout right. history that at the end of the day, it, it it you burn out. And then you look at your marriage, you look at your kids, and, and you went 
how did I miss that? Or how did that go wrong? It's usually yeah. because those deep set of principles, those core values that make you say, I would be doing this regardless of whether I was being paid. I'm doing this because I have a sense of purpose and mission. So that that's what drives me is a sense of purpose, a sense of mission, a sense of destiny. Honestly, I think a lot of people think about that. And mm. the great men and women in history generally have always had a sense of destiny of I was meant to do something and I'm trying right. to fulfill that. So coming back around in the culture, I think Silicon Valley has that culture you talked about, the uh, workaholic money greed status. But I think living in Boston and D.C., it doesn't even compare. In in Silicon Valley, people want to change the world. They do. There are people who move here, but they're mostly moving here to try to get a piece of that money. But the people who I think start in the garage, Mm -hmm. as much as they may be disliked by people, there's a culture here in Silicon Valley of if you want to do something to change the world, I want to help you. Google brought me in to talk about what I was doing with uh, when we had we were working on um, the project for creating more software for kids with autism in conjunction with uh, 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 Hewlett Packard. And Google brought me in after that and said, tell us what you're doing. We like what you're doing. Tell us how we can help you get your software out on Android. Tell us they would contact me and say, hey, we heard from this person who has autism in this part of the country where, how should we respond to that? I think there's a lot of people in these companies, and I've been to most of them, and I know people in most of them, that really want to make a difference in the world. I don't think they can always anticipate, you know, what their products are going to do. So I think there's that side, that there's two sides of the coin. There's the status, the greed, the workaholism, but there's the other side of the coin, which is the idealism and the sense of, Maybe I can do something in the world that's never been done. And I actually think there's a part of Silicon Valley that the rest of the country doesn't understand because they see the grid, they see the status, but they don't understand most of these guys were doing nothing significant, mm-hmm. sat down in a dorm room and created something like Google that's changed the world. Right. They, they may be making mistakes, but I've not had instances here where people have been like, yeah. That's ridiculous you want to do that. I've had the other side. I have a, a nephew with autism. I'm so excited you're doing this. How can we help? You know, uh, I, I was, uh, uh, Google held a thing for special needs kids where they could come in and be able to work with the people who work there and work on some software stuff and yeah. learn about how Google stuff can help. They do things like that. I can tell you right now, there are other places in the country where that doesn't happen. So there's two That's sides good. of the coin. Yeah. And I love that because it's very rare to find individuals that are genuine, passionate, and motivated about doing something good in yeah. the community. So I'm inspired just you know by your example, your heart uh, for the community. And another question that I have is, with all the responsibilities that you have and two kids with special needs, how do you do it all? Well... You know, my wife and I just had a conversation about how I'm doing too much two nights ago. So uh, I'm doing too, I do too much. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Jesus. Thanks for bringing it. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, so, so one is I have gotten a lot better at sharing leadership. So when it comes to esports, I really don't do that day to day. And mm-hmm. we have a great executive director, Greg Baziak, 
And I pretty much have let him do his thing. And I help a lot with him, but I've let him do his thing. So that's help. Uh, with Hope Technology Group, we have a great board at Hope Technology Group and great people that volunteer. And I've sort of let them take more. But one of the things I think is important that I've grown in, but I'm not where I need to be, is allowing people, especially people younger than me, giving them their opportunity. So I get excited about like, is that hard or is that easy? You know, one of the things when I was younger, it was really hard because I just wanted to do it. I wanted all the attention and all the accomplishment. And I was it's that spiritual, emotional thing. I was like, hey, if I accomplish this, then, you know, I am somebody. If I reach this goal, then I've, I've mm -hmm. proven I'm somebody. I still had that thing in me. But I had an opportunity to coach a high school uh, team summer league basketball team. Nice. Uh, this is this sounds like a, a tangent, but it was in an adult league. And I just did it to help one of the kids I knew. I knew him and I wanted to get him friends and help him out. Uh, and so I coached this team and I was like, there's no way we could win the championship of the league, but we can have fun. And I love to win. And so I was like, OK, I'm going to sort of put aside all that and just try to help. And I got more joy out of seeing them be successful on the court than I ever knew I would. And we ended up winning the championship. And I made a note to myself. Don't forget that life is better when other people succeed. So I would say it's pretty that. easy. I'm a control freak, but I would say letting other people have stuff is pretty, pretty easy for me right now. And then being overwhelmed by having all this stuff has forced me to see it. And then here's the last thing. You just look at people and you realize they're just better at it than you are. That's the mm. other thing that helps. You just to get to that point. And you, Popovich does a great job of this with the Spurs, right? I mean, Kawhi Leonard should have stayed there, but that's a whole other discussion. I think um, it was selfish, but we can uh, keep moving on. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move right. Well, it's, <laughs> we'll just it, move it, that it's, it's, a, it's a paradigm, right? There's the, there's the paradigm. Let's just use the Spurs. There's the Tim Duncan paradigm of we are better when all of us are together. And if I have to make $5 million less a year, I don't care because my core values say I would rather have lifelong friends, lifelong relationships, and multiple championships than get noticed in New York City. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, if that you have that, volume. yeah, if you, if you have that spirit, you're going to, you're going to make a lot of people great. There is no, not to get in basketball too much, but there's no man on Ginobili and no Tony Parker at the level we know them without Tim Duncan taking that attitude. And right. I think David Robinson personally was the one who really codified it when he was able to let Duncan come in and be all that. So I have that same mentality as a point guard in high school. I was more of a ball hog and I learned in life. My coach was always trying to get me to understand the job of the point guard is to distribute and make other people better. Fortunately, I figured it out later in life. <laughs> I, find, I want to go back now and be a better point guard than Asus. You're wondering, why, why is there four other people on the floor with me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and they seem to keep getting in my way. They seem to keep getting in my they, they, Well, I actually, I was like, why don't you understand your role? Set a pick, you know? You're out here for a reason. Set ISO, a pick. just ISO. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Um, another question that I have is, so with different avenues that we can go with you know technology innovation you've chosen why not any other avenue why specifically technology and innovation uh 
Uh, I'm not sure I completely understand the question. Why not what, like politics or something? I don't know. No, sorry. So as we were talking about Digital Scribbler, yeah. eSports, e Hope Technology Group, yeah, like all these are very focused on innovation and technology. Oh, okay. Right? And my question is, why not focus on any other avenues or maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. like websites as an yeah. example? Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get well, it. websites is still technology, but yeah, you get what I mean. Is. No, I get what you mean. I think this. So let's compare Washington, D.C. to where I lived for almost five years to Silicon Valley. What's the difference? Why is it, in my opinion, that over the last 60 years, Silicon Valley has solved more problems than Washington, D.C.? Now, Washington, D.C., the, the government has to solve more problems. So you got to give them that. They have a lot more problems to solve. But mm -hmm. why, are they, why is Silicon Valley, in my opinion, the best problem-solving part of the country and maybe even part of the world, right? Why is it? Innovation. The ability to cannibalize your own work. People are willing to say, yeah, like Facebook. There are guys who've left Facebook that are creating other kinds of products that they think would be better and then sometimes might be competitors. So innovation to me is about saying the best idea wins. And I think I don't really care if it's technology. I don't care if it's the socializing kids and inclusion. But I just think you have to be willing to say, what's next instead of just saying, I've got it. And to me, Silicon Valley is all about saying, if, if, if now there are other problems that Silicon Valley was in charge of Washington, DC, we would mm -hmm. probably have a very emotionally unintelligent government. You know what I'm saying? They'd, yeah. they'd, be, they'd be giving out equations for how to solve the problem and algorithms for how to solve the problem of, of, <laughs> of the Flint water, water uh, contamination. But, but there is an element of innovation where if you look in Washington, D.C., and you compare it to Silicon Valley, how many 70-year-olds are dominating Silicon Valley? It doesn't happen because right. even the 70-year-olds think it's about innovation. Let me go mentor another guy and let him build his company. And so I think it's it, I breathed that in and I bought into that culture. And I believe that's how you solve problems is you sit down and you say, it doesn't matter how we've done it. It only matters how we need to do it to get right. where we need to get. And I think the medical, the, the vaccines for um, COVID-19, fortunately we have companies working on it that have that mindset. And I think that's why they're moving ahead of schedule. Because they were willing to say, it doesn't matter how vaccines were made yesterday, we're talking about today. So that, that that's why I've always chosen. And it inspires me personally. I like, I like changing and growing and being different. Yeah, no, I do know that even with the tech companies we have here, what Adobe, Facebook, Yahoo, Apple, I mean, the list goes on, right? And what they do is they attract the best talent in the world, not just United States. Yeah. So yeah. when you have well, let me that much of talent in one location or region, that's yeah. powerful. It is. Well, and remember, when you drive down over by Shoreline, you drive down that road, the dominant company on that road used to be, uh, or down in that area, used to be Silicon Graphics. That company oh, I heard gone. of them. Yeah, that company's gone. But they were dominant when I lived here. And that's the unbelievable thing about Silicon Valley. Right now, everybody goes, it's Google, it's Facebook, it's Apple, it's this. You, it, it, they can just disappear because somebody at some point is going to say, here's how I think social media ought to work. And it won't even be social media. And all of a sudden, 
500,000 customers every month will be leaving Facebook. It's just, it's the way Silicon Valley works. So, and I like that. Yeah, no, that's good. Now, as an entrepreneur, like what challenges did you have to overcome as an entrepreneur? Uh, Probably, uh, let me see, um, fear, fear of failure, that uh, fear of failure, Um, fear of what people would think. Like, why are you doing that? Why do you think you need to do that? Fear of not having credibility. Well, you're, you, 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 you know, you're coming from the, the more of a nonprofit point of view. This is a for-profit part of the country. Mm. Um, so, so a lot of fear. Uh, I, I don't, I, I was, I, I had programming classes in college and I was like, I don't like these and I didn't do it. So by the time I got here, I didn't have any programming at all. So I don't know how to program. How am I going to get software done? So those kind of things. Um, stress. Do I really need to add more stress to my life? I think I already have enough. <laughs> um, and then rejection. If we if we build it and we make it, what if no one likes it? What if no one uses it? And we're just sitting there going, yeah, that that was good. So just the feeling of rejection. And I faced that where there are people who had our software, uh, a mom on Amazon posted a negative review. And I contacted her and I said, I don't understand why you don't like it. Can you explain it more? Maybe we can fix it. And she basically, her her, her daughter wasn't interested in using the iPad. And so I was like, well, what does that have to do with my software? Well, if your software... She didn't, she didn't like the iPad. I thought your software would make it like the iPad, and that's why I didn't like it. I go, so you never really tried it? No, I never really tried it. And I was like, well, if you didn't, why would you? She goes, yeah, I probably shouldn't have put the review up. It wouldn't take it down. Like, things like that, you know, make you, you always go, got those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're like, okay, I don't totally get this right here. But uh, all of that. And, and being in Silicon Valley with, I think, great, talented people like you described, I don't consider myself great, talented people like them. And so would they accept me and would they let me do this? And, and uh, those, were, those, were, those were the obstacles. Oh, that's great. And wow, you're pretty self-aware uh, of those uh, challenges um, that you had to overcome and probably still do. Yep. Because when I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs, they're like, fear, I'm not afraid of what? You know, and I'm like, uh, oh, this is going to be a hard conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're going to get anywhere <laughs> with this. But yeah. there's like this, like, I don't know if it's self-denial or just, you're just they lack self-awareness. That's pretty much yeah, what yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, I think that's a hard thing to learn. That's why, again, lead different. That's what that combo is about. And, you know, I think sometimes, too, you don't get self-aware until you get your first failure. And then you suddenly go, oh, like, look at Steve Jobs building Apple, going to Next, coming back to Apple. It's a journey. And I I think it's that's why I'm like, why do people hate on somebody? Because maybe they didn't like the way they were at that time. Leadership development building is a process. It's just like a kid who grows up. We think because we turn 30 years old, we're, you know, like we're really mature and we have it together. I, I think it takes a lifetime to create a life. And mm. that we should be thinking more, what was the person like at age 70 and 80, as opposed right. to, you know, assuming that they have the fortune to live that long, looking at the outcome instead of the stops along the way. So I, I think some of those people you talk to, they'll, they'll, they'll develop it because if you don't develop self-awareness, I think, ultimately your life implodes. So, right. you know, that's just how it's going to be. And what I've started seeing people is that surround themselves with people that are self-aware, they start reflecting and becoming self-aware themselves. Totally. It's really interesting how that works. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. That's yeah. powerful stuff. Um, last two questions and maybe one more, depending how we were doing on time. 
is do you have any advice for our listeners that may want to start a business or take their leadership position to the next level? Yeah, I don't think I know anything that that other people haven't already said. So I'll say what they say. Don't give up your day job until you know your your other job works out. So if you want to start a company, make sure you have you know revenue coming in so that you can you know pay for things and then do it at night. I mean, I was up at you know one in the morning working on stuff because I had that's the only time I could do it was at night. Um, and I think that that they have to remember that you can get very excited about an idea and think, oh yeah, this idea is gonna it's gonna change everything. And I remember mm-hmm. the first software we when we released it and we posted it, I was waiting for like, you know, the 500 people who would get it. And and after the first week, I think 10 people had bought it. And I was like, oh, well, that's not exactly the 500 I was expecting. And so <laughs> I think people have to be cautious about that. Number two, uh, I think they shouldn't be afraid to start it because of number one. Like mm-hmm. I, I think they should start it because they want to solve a personal problem or they want to solve a societal problem they care about. And then they should be willing to do it the way Michael Jordan uh, 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 had his contract signed. He put the love of the game clause in so he could play basketball whenever he wanted to and not be limited because the Bulls didn't want him to get injured. And so I think that people have to do something they love. And 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 I'm not saying that the something they love will be the thing that turns out to be because that leads to number whatever I'm on now. Uh, where one I went to Jim Collins. Stanford had an executive education program I was a part of, and Jim Collins, a business speaker, speaker, business leader, and thinker, spoke. And he talked about at that time HP and how it got started, which I didn't know anything about it because I just got here. And he right. described how they were going to be a medical devices company. And he said, most people's company never turns out to be what they initially started it to be. Now, they became a computer technology company, and then they got into a bunch of other stuff. But I think people need to understand whatever you start with, that's probably not what you're going to look like in the end. And that's the journey of successful entrepreneurship. So those would be my thoughts. No, that's great advice. Um, Thanks for sharing that. Sure. Lastly, the final question. Final question. That everyone's been waiting for. You ready? (laughs) Okay. Okay. So for those. Yes. Magic Johnson is the best basketball player of all time. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) When you're talking about Michael Jordan, I was like. Yeah, his contract was good. I feel bad for Scottie Pippen, but we don't have to talk about that right now. Uh, no, we better not get into that. <laughs> now, for those tuning in or you know, or want more information, they want to learn more about your businesses. You know, yeah. Digital Scribbler, yeah. Sports, Hope Technology Group. How can they get in contact with you or your team? Okay, so probably the best place to start to find everything I'm working on is RussYule.com. So you go to RussYule.com, and that's been my I had a, I had a, uh, I had help. I had help building. I didn't even mention this. I had help building Digital Scribbler. Uh, one of my neighbors was a, uh, a a chief main guy for Yahoo, and then he mm-hmm. switched to Google. And he's the one who told me, "When are you ever going to start that? Use that idea and start a company with it." And then down the down the road from him happened to be a guy who had just moved here who was, you know, working in a financial area industry. And they both kind of championed me along. And one of the things they told me is you have to do a better job of getting your profile set so people can find you and know where to find you. And then I created rushhill.com. So when you go there, you can find everything I'm doing and you'll find a link to everything I'm doing. Uh, That's the easiest way. Perfect. Yep. That's it. That's it. I survived. I survived. Hey, man, you do a great job. 
you do a great job on a, on, on a, a, a podcast. You're like really good. I just, I enjoyed this. This is, I was uh, just finished a podcast with Ivan Meisner. So uh-huh. he's like the founder of BNI, which is the world's largest business network organization. Right. Wow. And when we were talking, it was just, we just kept feeding off each other because we just had this, like, we want to talk. We want to know each other. Like it was just really, yeah, I, I, well, I love it. I, it's good. And I think it helps people. I will definitely get you on ours. Uh, I want to get you on lead different. I'm lining up guests now because we're just sort of launching it. Uh, you know, I have some other podcasts I've done and then uh, 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 keep, keep, keep doing what you're doing. And don't forget that there are a lot of people around you that are even your age that they need mentoring in their careers. So I'm just saying for you, I know guys that you're around. I don't think they always are going to, one of the things I've learned is that people that are the same age sometimes have a hard time deferring to each other. And Mm. so some of them aren't going to come to you. I hope they will just to learn how to build their career. This is great. I wish you a lot of success and uh, uh, we'll get you on and I'll, 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 we'll have to plug it. We'll have to plug it because I think it'd be great for a lot of people to listen. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta go get my tire fixed now. All right. <laughs> See ya later. Bye-bye. All right. That's the end of our episode. Please leave a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It would mean the whole world to me. And lastly, make it a great day.